doing? I'm good, Chris. I don't know what happened, man. The phone didn't ring at all. Oh, it didn't know. Well, you know, that's just that's just guy creeping up on you. That's all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. This is Brothers Speed Podcast, where we interview the innovative, the daring, and the bold, providing informative topics for the black LGBT. And I have a guest today, like I always do. I'm never going to come on this show not having a guest, but I'm going to have the guest that I have is Mr. John Collins, who actually recently wrote a book. And, you know, don't get surprised if you're driving, but the book is called God Ain't Call Me Fag. Now, when I first got the text, you know, from a previous guest who was actually on the show, I thought, you know, maybe he wrote it wrong. He texted it wrong or something like that. But no, that's not the case. <laughs> so, and so I had to bring him on the show to find out a little bit more pertaining to the book, what it is that he's actually conveyed, because I read a little bit about the book and it seems to be kind of a spiritual book. Am I, am I wrong in thinking this, John? Am I, am I, what, what would you say the book is considered to be? Um, it's everything. It does encompass a, a level of spirituality, uh, a level of heightened spirituality. So, yes, you can look at it that way as well. Okay, okay. So, well, what inspired you to make the book? Well, first of, first off, let's go with the title. Uh, God Ain't Call Me Fag. Let's start there. What made you give that title? <laughs> yeah, so I really... In all of my work, I try to, uh, you know, hit you hard. I want to grab your attention. That's how you pull a reader in. So with this title, you know, all the conversations, all the prayers, all the things that I've talked to God about in my life, um, I grew up in the church, you know, so I know God from, uh, you know, since I was me had to a grasshopper, but versus conversations that I've had with everyone else in front of my sexuality, God never had an issue with it. He never said anything to me um, derogatory about the John Collins that is gay, um, that likes men, that, you know, it, it was nothing, I've never had any condemnation from, you know, God. Um, it was always from people. Therefore, I thought that was from God. Um, so that's pretty much where that title came from. Gotcha. You know, that was like, okay. All right, I get it now. I'm glad you explained that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let me ask you this. How long have you been writing, first off? Um, I've been writing since I was 15, um, professionally, doing this for 10 years. So I actually released my first book um, in 2013. So okay. I've been writing professionally for about 10 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. any, any work that anyone could possibly recognize from previous? Um. Right now, just I have three other books: um, "Virgin to the Life," "Sounds of Burn Silence," and "Poetic Violence." Those are part of a series. Okay. Um, I co-wrote a play a couple years ago here in Atlanta called "The Demon Law." All right. So that was a play we put out here in Atlanta. Um, I've been featured in a few publications. I've got a Huff Post article out there, so. I'm slowly, you know, getting my name in the photo of thing. Okay, okay. So we're catching you at the early start. All right, I can I can deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, you know, you're in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't hit that status yet, but I'm working. That's what I'm working towards. But it's really about the craft. Now, so 10 years in this craft game, how do you feel, you know, pertains to 10 years in it so far? Um, more confident and, you know, my abilities, I'm more confident in actually what I'm 
the content that I'm putting out now. So I was scared to, I was really scared to release this book. You know, my other work to me is kind of <laughs> on a surface level, in my opinion, compared to what I really put into this book. This is, it's very personal. Um, I'm specifically dealing with aspects of my life and putting a journalistic reverse type of um, uh, flow to it. So it's, it's not necessarily that I'm telling you, I'm telling you a story, but it's not me um, preaching anything. It's not me talking against anyone. It's just, this is what I've dealt with, you know, in my walk with God. Gotcha. What I was talking about um, through my life experiences. And I feel, you know, it's important to share these stories because other brothers coming behind me, they need to know, you know, if they, when they get kicked out of the house or if their parents find out what, you know, who out there has, you know, what have you gone through to get through what you've been through? Right. Um, we need to pass on that, that knowledge. So, you know, that's, that's a good idea to do it because we've kind of lost the, uh, the gay mamas and gay papas a lot. Um, I, I'm dead serious. I think a lot of people, I think the transgender has it more than the rest of the community. I, yeah. I, I think yeah. I've seen that a lot more. So getting to the book now. So basically, what type of things do you tackle in this book? Um, I tackle my relationship with God. One, having sex with men. I talk about um, the issues that I had with my mom. Um, you know, the, we're still growing. Um, I talked about, you know, how me and my dad, when he found out, you know, that I was gay, what that conversation looked like, what we went through um, back and forth from a, a biblical standpoint, what that looked like, and, you know, how now my dad is, he can openly say gay. Okay. <laughs> um, he asked, you know, I can, he's given me that option to bring someone home if I'm serious about that person, you know. Uh, we've had these conversations, right? and these are things that, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do. Um, I also go into a little bit of detail about um, some sexual trauma that I've dealt with in the military. Um, I talk about friendships, you know, the things that we go through with that, and just really, you know, self-awareness and self-love. Okay. So, okay. Well, well then, because I see the, the 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 theme that I've read so mm -hmm. far is freedom. Freedom. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be the, the theme that seems to come out a little bit more often. And why is freedom? Freedom from what? Freedom from what, you know, society says that we are the limited thing that they say we can be. Um, the limitations that they place on even our spirituality. It's, it's like if there's an agenda to take God away from us. Like we don't deserve to be who he created us to be um, in all that beauty. Um, the same way as anyone else. So I wanted to give something that offered, you know, a safe space to vent and someone else, you know, other people, readers to kind of relate to, you know, maybe they're going through that same thing. So just unlock those mental chains that, you know, society places on us, the things that we even place on ourselves, too, you know, because I know there are brothers still out there who are younger than me that don't have that representation in the towns or cities that they live in. Representation, I think, is important. Um, you know, there are brothers that are younger than me. I've heard their stories and actually, you know, spoken to them that they don't feel like they're represented, you know, in the media um, because they feel in their own minds that gay looks a certain way. You have to be a certain way. And if you don't fit that mold body-wise, image-wise, um, clothes-wise, you know, you 
or even an outsider in your own community. The freedom that I speak to just allows you to getting over your past, getting over that hurt, because if you keep living it, if you keep reopening that wound and not, you know, move forward to really go internal and see what it is that God is placing you and what he's really speaking to you about, you know, vice, what everyone is telling you, you know, coming against that in their own, you know, perspective, that's where I'm, that's where the focus of freedom is. It's, you, you know what I'm beginning to notice is the fact that we always look for, uh, we always look mm-hmm. for almost almost like uh, recognized by the mainstream media and the, the or just family or people in general. And yeah. the, the funny part about it is, is that, that, you know, which I'm going to touch on religion. You know I'm going to touch on this now. <laughs> Got to go there. Now, and the, the funny part about it is, is though, everything started small. At least in my at least in my my little general thoughts here, everything started in a way that everybody because uh, remember, let's go back to the older days. Elvis yeah. Presley, and even though you know he is not a black man, but Elvis Presley was considered to be sinful. He was gyrating his hips and all that. Oh yeah. my Lord Jesus, <laughs> Hallelujah! But the thing about it is that became what people began to want and desire and want more of. Remember, mm-hmm. let's go back even further. Black music in general. White kids yeah. were going to get damn near kicked out the house if they didn't put those albums underneath the, underneath the pillow, underneath the bed, because of the fact that they did not want their parents to find out. And when it comes to gay. Gay was always something that people bashed. Not the fact that gay people was going after other people, but gay people was just the fact that it was an easy target. And that was the main, the main thing. Now, you got all sorts of programs. You got to have a gay character. If you don't have a gay character, something wrong with your show. And, you know, right, right. So I think right now, and maybe I'm missing it, aren't we already now getting to the point where people are recognizing us? And Matt, you know, I'm not going to say not pigeonhole, I'm not saying not pigeonhole, but the fact mm-hmm. of recognition is already there. The recognition is there. I think there are more people that are, you know, pushing the boundary, the envelope to get us in the forefront, to, you know, make us visible, to stop what we have went through, you know, the, the older generations have gone through to get to where we are now. You know, the suicides and, you know, the kids being misunderstood and getting kicked out and, you know, all that. Um so yeah, it does need to be pushed in the forefront. I think there which is getting braver and <laughs> even, you know, some of the younger generation who don't want to be classified by anything. They don't they don't like labels. They don't want to be called, you know, gay or um what have you, or be identified by gender. They're pushing those boundaries. So it's making us think more, you know, okay, what's the bigger picture in terms of who we are as a, a whole in terms of humanity. We want to stop typecasting each other. You know, uh, you're right. Uh, the, the labels are now being questioned a lot more, especially from the youth. Um, you know, when you mm-hmm. go to the schools and you have a, a particular LGBT uh, sort of club, a lot of them, even though you know they're bringing their purses to class, they, yeah. you, they don't want that label and they will not attend. And, it, you know, so part of me says, well, man, you know, does it force the adults? I get it. Uh, but it also still places is when the resources are there, you just don't want to be labeled. So I do question that, too, to the point of especially when it comes to our community. 
if you receive a label, that label will be on you for the rest of your life. And, and, yeah. and that particular label does, I mean, for instance, we put medical and health clinics in the black neighborhood, but if that particular clinic is labeled as the HIV clinic or oh, mm-hmm. you, it's automatically surrounded in the community, oh, you got that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. you, and so just by going and just that in itself kills resources, kills of things that guidance kills the opportunity for us to be that better person because we come across that label. That that label is so powerful, but also so deadly. Right, because it's like you're not allowed to change your mind later or evolve later on in life. Right. You know? So, yeah. So I'm I a little did. bit I'm a little bit fearful of sometimes the youth because I think in the process of those you're able to find God and understand. God of the universe or how she or he is regardless. Do you not agree with that or yeah. no? I agree with you because God is spirit. Therefore, God is, <laughs> you know, all things. Um, so you can't just pigeonhole God. There are so many species of trees. There are so many species of insects, things of that nature. So why can't, you know, the picture of humanity look just as diverse with gay, straight, you know, cisgender, however you want to label yourself. You know, we're bringing something to the table. So what can we learn from each other through our life experiences? Right. So I'm going to go down to some of the subjects you talked about. You talked about friends. You talked about sex. I'm going to go, definitely go down that a little mm-hmm. bit. But let me just go back to what I said in terms of religion real quick. Because okay. um, some, I, you know, it's just it's so funny that I had a conversation just yesterday about certain philosophers and certain philosophers mm-hmm. who especially German philosophers in particular, who basically said religion has had his time and religion. And this is, this is going back like 1700, 1800s and around that particular time. And these particular uh-huh. philosophers says religion is now should be put away. It has had its time and it's over. But yet in 2018, religion still is a struggle for people to shed their minds on. And that pretty much shaped the way people have thought, parents, generations, for years in terms of gay people, in terms of people who have children out of wedlock, in terms of divorced people, in terms of all that stuff. My biggest question is this. Do you believe religion should be one of those things that also be put to rest? I don't agree with that statement. I can understand where that statement comes from, but that's... It's not something that I necessarily agree with. I think religion is an important tool. It's a tool that, you know, can be utilized to get to an understanding of God. Or um, let me take that back. To get to your own understanding of God. So to completely get rid of it, I think, I don't know if that would be a detriment to um, society, but the way that we use it can be, you know, can evolve or should evolve and needs to change. And I see a lot of churches doing that. We saw that, you know, maybe what, 10, 15 years ago when uh, Christianity started saying we're not, when they started making these non-denominational churches. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so there's an evolution that takes place in religion. If the people are open enough to follow that flow of that new, what the, the church says, God is always doing a new thing. If you're, if you're open-minded enough to go with that flow and see what it is that God is trying to show you now in this generation, then I think it's still a a vital tool that 
you know, kind of needed. So to just get rid of it, I don't think that we should completely get rid of it. It should be, you know, another option. If you choose to partake of it, then do that. If not, then, you know, find your own way. In other words, replace it with something else if you, if that is an option to get rid of it. And which is true. Psychology says that, you know, you cannot, you you should not (laughs) try to force somebody (laughs) to get rid of something because psychologically, they're not going to let it go. You got to replace it with something else. I do. I do believe that. I still say let's go to our African roots, but whatever. All right. So. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, listen, listen. I, I I definitely see the history. I've seen that history and I, and I definitely understand it a lot better. Uh, than I think the average, but I don't think that yeah. people would actually agree with that because going back in history, it it may uh, it may open up a can of worms. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> there's there's a couple of topics you touched on, and you touched on family, you touched on friends, you touched on relationships, etc., intimate relationships. Starting with yeah. friends, when it comes to addressing it within this book, how is that addressed when it comes to how you discovered yourself or how friends became either friends or good or bad for you? What was that, that what was that process for you? So the group of friends, I started out, <laughs> I guess, with seven, you know, it was seven of us as a collective whole. We've, we've been friends maybe going 18 years now, I guess. I've known these guys since 2000. Um, I just talk about how not everyone is your friend. How do you need to really, if you are a spiritual person, you need to, you know, seek discernment when you allow people into your space, when you are, um, and who you call a friend. Because not everybody in this, in the gay life is your friend. Um, of course. Not everybody is there. Not everybody has your back. And that's within the circle, subculture, not just, you know, the gay community, but specifically speaking to us, not everybody is a friend. Not everybody has your, your best interest at heart. So I kind of, I touch a little bit on that. It's not nothing major, but I do talk about how important, you know, friendships are, um, how loyal, how important loyalty is, you know, when you establish these friendships, because a lot of times these people become your family. Um, when you have no one else to go to, you know, during the holidays or, you know, when, you know, you get that news that, you know, the family member that kicked you out of the house, you know, is dead. And how do you deal with that? Um, I think there's a, a portion in here where I talk about um, an encounter that I had with one of my closest friends who, you know, he's HIV positive And he, he kind of withdrew from us for maybe a, a week or two. And, you know, I was checking on this really concerned. And it was one, you know, we talk to each other every day. Even to this day, we talk to one another every day. I just remember it was a weekend that we were supposed to get together. He's a stickler for time. He didn't show up to my crib. And so I'm calling him. It's going straight to voicemail. And I'm concerned at this point, like, what's going on? Go to his crib. You know, his door is open. It's, you know, not locked. He's just on the couch, just laid out. Um, I walk in, and he barely looks at me. You know, the TV's on mute. It's a fan just directly on him, blowing on high. You know, I'm like, bro, what's going on? What's up? And, um, you know, he tells me, you know, and he told me I had to take medication. And he had been, at that point, he had been positive, I think, maybe three or four years and didn't need 
um, any supplement or medication or anything of that nature. But when they told him that he needed to take, you know, these HIV meds, that's when it became a reality for him. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. And he felt that's when his clock started. Oh. And that's many of our stories, you know what I mean? So, gotcha. <laughs> you know, he's good, you know, he's good now, but that was one of those moments where you really need to have an understanding of what friendship and loyalty to someone looks like. Um, that changed the dynamic of our friendship. Right. You know? Right. Um, so, you know, those are the type of stories that I address in the book, concerning friends. And, you know, and, and you're right, because especially when it comes to community, a lot of things that, I mean, let's keep it real. Some things you just cannot talk to your family about. You can't talk to your mom about <laughs> yeah. everything. You can't talk to your daddy about it. You can't talk to your brother about everything. So usually right. friends are that outlet that everybody mm-hmm. needs, you know, regardless of what. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to family, you know, and addressing, because, the, you know, the, the freedom aspect I can definitely see in, <laughs> in, in friends is the fact that you're able to be exactly who you are because that yeah. part of you is understandable and recognized. Uh, mm-hmm. family though, how is, how is that, that dynamic in terms of finding that freedom with family? Oh, wow. That was something that I had to actually just take. Um, my mom, <laughs> this book, okay. So let me give you a little background on why the, why I wrote this book. So when I was 16, 17, that's when I started writing right. and I kept this little journal and, um, you know, I was running about, it was a lot of the stuff was similar to this, this book. This book is written in a journalistic um, type of profile. So, you know, I was writing about, you know, things that any gay boy would. Um, crushes, uh, things going on in school, you know. I wonder what it's like to get the dude, all these different things. My mama found that journal. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, she confronted me about it. I ended up burning that journal. And so this book is a callback to, you know, what would I tell that 17-year-old boy based on my life experiences now? Um, gotcha. So through, from that time forward, I guess that's what, 20 years? You know, within the 20 years, what I've gone through um, with my mom, my dad, and even other uncles and cousins just in touch with my gayness, it just, it slowly started not to be a big deal. Um, when they saw that I wasn't um, a threat to their children, you know, to my little nieces and nephews, um, it just, it wasn't, it became a, a less of a, a thing to focus on in terms of their John, the gay, you know, the gay one, that's, oh, that's the gay grandchild. Um, it's just, I don't know, all the, like, a lot of the things that I felt that I would um, bring up in conversation with my dad in terms of what did you think of me being gay? What if I brought somebody home? Um, why did you feel the way that you do towards me being gay? It was like one day he just called me up on the phone and we just started having the conversation. Um, I didn't have to bring anything to him. So that's how me and my dad just started our relationship um, back at square one, just reintroducing ourselves to one another um, and going from there. Now, my mom is <laughs> something that we don't talk about. Gotcha. Um, we, are just, we are just getting to a place now where, you know, we're redeveloping our relationship 
and our conversations have gone from, you know, three minute high and buys to now we're on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour at a time some days. And I'm looking at the phone like, God, is this me and my mama talking? You know, so with my mom, her issues with the sexuality was, you know, she's a nurse. She, um, so when we were in Detroit, you know, she started nursing in the 80s when the AIDS epidemic happened. Gotcha. Um, so she saw a lot of that. So that's what she, that's her beef with me being gay. I don't think it has anything to do, you know, with how she thinks God feels about me. She feels that ultimately all of us, I think somewhere in the back of her mind, ultimately all of us may end up with, you know, HIV and that's, you know, is it punishment or is it just, that's just what, what it is. So I think she's still kind of stuck in that mind frame of it. Um, gotcha. But we don't talk about it. Gotcha. Maybe gotcha. one day we will, but hey, that's just Okay. Okay. So now when it comes to, so we got family, we got friends. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to relationships and yeah. when it comes to uh, that aspect, so what exactly it is it that you feel that relationships also kind of add to that element of finding freedom or gaining freedom, et cetera? And I think, you know, relationships, <laughs> we're all looking to bring that perfect dude home to uh -huh. make our family see that gay is okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's why a lot of us may or may not serial date. You know, I don't want to generalize, but... So. <laughs> I love how you said that. May or may not serial date. Got it. It's a nice, pleasant word. <laughs> totally get yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, you, we want to bring that, that perfect person home. Um, and a lot of times, we have these unrealistic ideas of what that looks like because it fits this heteronormative um, picture by what we, what really fits our life, you know, who, we, who would really fit into our lives. So relationships, I don't really have a whole lot of experience with relationships. Stop, um, stop the press, stop, wait. I, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> now let me ask you. <laughs> Why is that? All right. So I think a lot of it has to do with um, my travels with the military, moving around a lot. The environment that I was in in my military career didn't really warrant me, you know, the opportunity to develop a, a lasting, meaningful relationship. Like I've been in relationships, but in terms of my longest relationship was a year and a half so okay i don't really feel like i'm an expert to talk about you know the aspects of a relationship no 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 and, not necessarily you know going into that particular element you know this mm -hmm. is you know we're, we're just basically talking about your experience in terms of yeah, my experience yeah yeah so um just really i had to rethink a lot of you know the ideas that i had about the type of guy that i wanted to be with the type of guy that i wanted to be um, and, you know, versus in terms of sexual roles, um, in terms of that other person's spirituality versus mine, um, you know, the whole saying, being equally yoked, um, I don't necessarily, you know, believe in that type of thing anymore. Um, no. <laughs> no, let's, let's be real. I mean, I, 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 
I just think that a lot of people, we, and this is, by the way, you know, this also goes by, I think, every human being on this earth. Mm-hmm. Girls growing up, they have an idea of how they man going yeah. to be. And they, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what yeah, was your idea? Crazy. I'm curious before you go further. What was your idea? <laughs> my idea? Oh, my God. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I'm going to be completely transparent. Go right, so ahead. From, the dude from, okay, remember Janet Jackson's um, song, um, Again? Oh, oh. The dude that she had in that video. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Um, what's his name? He is an actor, yeah. He's a a popular actor, (laughs) yes. Uh So he was my ideal, like when I thought about, okay, who I would be with, the epitome of the dude that I would want to take home tomorrow, he was it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I know, right? You was in that bohemian feeling, you know, when he cried, you cried, and oh Lord Jesus. When he was talking on uh, what was that? A different world, you know. <laughs> that was my dude right there. So, oh yeah, man. Going from, <laughs> going from that, what I do, I guess, and now that I, I guess that they have a better understanding of your question. So yeah, I had this idea of what I wanted. Of course, that evolved. Um, so I I do talk about that in the book, but I, I really talk about the importance of developing um, a relationship with oneself, and if you are a spiritual person, developing a relationship with God. Because that's going to show you um, all your non-negotiables and then what you really need to look for in a mate. Once you understand yourself and know yourself, then you'll know what type of partner you need to be aware of. <laughs> True. Um, that people go in and out of your life. You so. know, I, I agree with that because this I do agree that I, this is what I believe. I think the experiences <laughs> that you receive in your life yeah. bring you to that this point. The experiences that you receive all your life are to chisel you into being the person that you really truly want to be. Because in the beginning, you have no idea what your uh-huh. negotiables are. <laughs> you, you have no idea <laughs> yeah. what they are. And and you have you have no idea in terms of how to approach family with it. You just have to do, learn how through the years to develop that level of courage that many of us still have not developed. You know, and yeah, because, so you know what a lot of us do. We we run our boyfriends by our friends, and if they don't approve, then a lot of times we get rid of them. Yeah, but that is very much true. That's very true. And the, the the funny part about it is when you look at their relationships, it's all messed up too. But exactly. <laughs> but we. <laughs> We have we know nobody else to be able to have these conversations with because you can't freely have it with mom, can't have freely with dad, can't have freely with your brother. Some of us, very few of us, I think. Uh, well, correction. I'm gonna I'm gonna correct myself. I think now the community may be getting to the point where it's a little bit more acceptable. Okay, I, I, I the reason why I'm saying that is because within the white community, it's acceptable. It's just the way it is. A little more yeah. free. Black community, we're a little more conservative, and it's creepy-crawly. It's a very much a creepy-crawly issue. It's going to take a couple of ten more years to say, well, you know, <laughs> I know he gay and all, which I believe, in my personal opinion, that's why the millennials, really, I think they help propel that, that they help propel that, that, that feeling to be more accepted because they really can yeah. care less about what people right. think in a lot of ways. So I think they actually and hear we'll let you know. And we'll let you know about it. So I think mm-hmm. that generation is here for a purpose too. 
And so to get yeah. to the level where you are now, to go through all those experiences, where where did you and your relationship with God, how did, how did it become? Where did you start seeing that relationship develop better or under better understanding of each other? I think when I let go a lot of what, you know, I had to unlearn a lot of the stuff that I learned about God and what he says about me um, through the word of God. So when I started seeing, I, I think a lot of that changed when I moved down here to Atlanta and I started attending this affirming church. Um, <laughs> and I was like, here I, this, this, this felt like my church home that I grew up in. I felt the presence of God. Um, I, I felt myself evolving spiritually. I was learning something. It was the same Bible, you know, but I don't know if it was just the way he was delivering the message or if it was, that was just, I don't know where it was, but the contradictory portion of that was the fact that he was using the same word of God that had been condemned against me. And so I would study the word for myself. And I would start, I just started asking God questions. So my relationship began with him when I really learned what intimacy is and how intimate God is with us uh, through his touch and through the people that he brings into our lives. So once I started asking the real question to get to the meat of who I am and who he is and who I am in him, then the answers started coming. Um, he would send a word about something I prayed about, you know, previous through somebody that he knew that I, I respected or what have you, or I would just pick up something and it would just kind of speak to what it was that I was talking about. Um, so it's not like he's in my head having these conversations with me, but, you know, God moves in all types of ways to get your attention. Um, so I just got to deal. I went within and I just started asking these questions and that's how my relationship with him, you know, got deeper. I've always had a connection with God, but the things that I learned about God, I had to unlearn and uh, really take at face value what he was showing me in the moment, right. not what these people were telling me or not what I've been told. Now, you see, now, one of the things, you, you said a couple of things that are actually pretty important. I think the, the one of the things is that you had to be still. What do you, what do you mean by that? You had to get rid of the noise. Sometimes you have to go into your solitude. Like I had to, to write this project. This project took five years. And when I moved to Atlanta, I started this book. And I started just meditating. I started um, staying home. I started, you know, staying away from the club scene. The only interaction that I really had with people was when I was doing, you know, um, the poetry sets and just really experiencing, you know, the brothers in the community here in Atlanta. And I set up a forum that I was doing every month to address certain issues that I talk about in the book to see, you know, how we see ourselves. And then after those forms, I would go home and I would just write. And I would, you know, just meditate in prayer what I learned or what I discovered, you know, in those forms or about myself or about, you know, the brothers that I was interacting with. When you're seeking that, that self-awareness, getting back to a place of self to find out, okay, I don't feel who I'm wrong for being who I am. Why do they keep telling me that? When you go and explore that, you have to get away from people, you know what I'm saying, and be by yourself, literally, you know, a lot of, sometimes. 
not all the time, but a lot of times when you're seeking those answers, you have to separate yourself from people um, and, and really go within and meditate. I don't know how to articulate the, the yeah. depth of that, but it's, you got to separate yourself, meaning go home, <laughs> yeah. get in your room and just do what you need to do for your own personal, you know, sanity. Um, you got to cut the noise out. Okay. You know, you may have to stop hanging around certain people. Um, that includes family. You may have to not call your mama. I, you know, we've had those moments where me and my mom, you know, we wouldn't talk for, you know, months at a time. But I needed those moments to, because I had to get her, you know, the negative, that negativity out of my head. Get that voice out of my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In yeah. order to build myself. So you have to isolate sometimes. That is true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And and the funny part about it is, is the fact that everything that was stated about what gay is, what LGBT is, and all this other stuff, um, it always, one thing that always seemed to rise his head to me is how hypocritical people yeah. are. I mean, some of the greatest, I, let me tell you something, I just had, and I invited the, this particular director on the show, um, I just saw the history of the blues. Okay, the history of the blues when it came down to um, women, because even back, you know, back in those days, the church ruled everything. So if the church didn't give the A-OK, it was not approved. So blues were not approved. Blues were. But the thing about it is what I later found out that many of the women who were in the uh, blues and traveling up and down uh, were bisexual or gay. I had no idea the number of wow. women. The number of women, and I'm going to get this director on the show, and you better believe I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, but <laughs> but I didn't believe that, and I and look at the 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 reputation that blues has today, and the number of people and the blues are definitely the backbone of many R and B, uh, many uh, rock, and is definitely the backbone of that. And a lot mm-hmm. of people, again, LGBT was definitely in there. Fashion, when it comes to fashion, that's a whole other category because you it's so yeah. many of the best looking clothes created by gay men. But yet, and still, I guess we're all going to hell. So what does that mean <laughs> if you wear the clothes? <laughs> what does that mean if you get the hair done by one? What does that mean? What does that mean? So it, it's something that uh, a lot of you know contradiction. And hypocritical, it, it just it just comes and rears his head consistently. Um, it is, and that's why these millennials are, are bucking the system in terms of saying we don't want to be labeled. Exactly. You just talked about it, yeah. Exactly. So, getting solitude. And by the way, I had to learn meditation a few years ago. It, it was just yes, something that, you know, meditation, you're right, to be still. And l- learning, the, and by the way, it's a learning process in that, too. Because we don't know how to shed <laughs> just sitting your ass down. Excuse my French. You don't. <laughs> we, you don't we just don't. don't understand to sit down, you know. Um, and matter of fact, we still got prayer wrong, but that's another topic, too. 
so right. trust <laughs> I, I didn't understand and I'm, I guess I can share that now because we are talking about God ain't God ain't call me fag just in case you just now joined the podcast <laughs> this is the author Mr. John <laughs> Collins uh, but even the process of prayer people I, I guess my generation well oh, correction my my whole upbringing was focused on just simply ask them and you shall receive and mm-hmm. the the thing about it is that I've learned later on. And remember, I can, you just cannot. I don't care what nobody tell me. You know, I'm not easily convinced. You can't get everything from just one source. You got to go outside of that source to kind of get a better understanding. <laughs> and may it may it may help you come back to that source. But sometimes you got to go out. You know. And what I've learned is the fact that you must already believe it is present. And have it manifest. Yeah. And basically, your prayers are to say thank you. And yeah. I didn't learn that till years later, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, so it's almost like framing your mind in a different way. So listen, I've learned a lot, too. I, You know, this is definitely a journey that many of the younger ones are still going on, though. Despite their, their right. rebelness, despite them being a rebel and you know not wanting to leer anybody, you still, gotta, you still go through the emotional process. Which can be what? How was that emotional process for you? Was it a depression stage you ever hit? What 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 exactly was it? Man, when I left the church, Chris, <laughs> I was I felt like I felt lost. But in that, I knew because God was preparing me to leave the church. Like some a lot of the things that I saw mimic what I saw in other churches. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail about that, but. I do talk about that in the book, but not, I don't want to really get into that tonight. But a lot of the things that I saw in this particular church, I saw mimic in um, other churches. Like God was telling me, he was determined to leave. I felt it coming. He was determined to leave. And then when the bomb dropped. <laughs> the bomb? Yeah, it was, it was a, I got some information concerning some of you know, some things that had taken place with the young man that attended that church um, with the leadership. That information had landed in my lap. And it was, you know, things that I had heard about in rumor form, and I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't want to believe it. Right, um, right. But when an information was put into my possession, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, are you freaking serious? I had a meltdown. I really did. Um, I felt like, you know, here I was. I finally found a church home. This is what my daddy has been saying and my grandma has been saying for years. You need to find a church home. You need to find a church home. You need to find a church home. I'm a church boy. I grew up in the church. Right. So when when that when I got that information, um, I immediately withdrew myself from, you know, that church. And I felt like, okay, God, I know that you've been preparing me for this, but I didn't know that you were going to do it this way. <laughs> you know, right. dang, what do I do now? How do I get my word now? How do I get my my quick fix for the week? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when was, that, during that time, for real, you know, where, how am I going to know, you know, if what I prayed for is being answered, if I don't get a word next Sunday from you, from the minister, you know what I mean? Like, all these things are going to my head, what do I do now? So God was telling me, you are your, we are our own priests. They, we, they even preach that in church. You know, we become our own priests if you build your relationship with God, if you seek him first. Once I got that understanding that 
he was still there and that he had taught me how to pray and he had showed me his, I knew his voice. I felt like, okay, I can actually want, I can live outside of the four walls of the church right. and still be, you know, okay. Um, now I still, you know, listen to certain messages like T.D. Jakes and things that I need to, you know, get by. And I've gotten to a place now, that was two years ago. I've gotten to a place now where I can walk back into that church with no, you know, um, malice toward the, the ministry. What I had to realize is they are men just like me. They're going to mess up just like me. Um, and that's what it means to, <clears throat> when you put your faith in man, like, you know, God, you, you, you kind of you exalt the, the ministry over what God is doing through that ministry. And I think the Christian part of me, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. gravitated more towards that, oh, my God, look what this ministry is doing. I'm a part of this, and woo-woo-woo-woo-woo, and not really focusing on like, the totality that God was doing through that ministry for me gotcha. um, to do what it is that I was called to do to bring the people that I'm connected to through this book and my writing to God. So gotcha. it was this zigzag line that I had to kind of look at, you know, why God did what he did to yeah. get to the point in my spiritual walk where I'm now, where I'm over my church hurt. I'm over the fact that, you know, whatever happened in that church happened. I had to look at these are men too. And if they're on a, you know, whatever God has for them to do is for them to do, you know, no matter what situation they end up in. So I can't judge them because I've done some things just like they have, you know, but so it was, it was this, that, that's how I got over that. <laughs> well, that, you know, uh, and there's always a scandal in the church. There's yeah. always some sort of yeah. scandal in the church that really gets people to, either to do several things. Number one, to decide whether or not this is their home. And also Mm -hmm. number two is to re-question the whole aspect, to question, just the whole, not re-question, just question the whole aspect of religion, what it is that we're we're talking about, who it is that we're really serving. It it brings up a lot of questions when those scandals come about. And so with that, what do you want the reader to take away from reading your book? Freedom again, that's that's my big my big word. And it's that's the main one of the main things. Freedom and love is one of the main things in this book. So I want people to get to a place of self awareness, um, where they don't feel like they have to be something or someone that they're not or that, you know, society says they have to be. Um, I want people to get to a level where especially black gay men and black um, lesbian women, I want us to get to a place where we free ourselves from what we've been taught we're not, and in God's eyes. Right. That's right. what I. That's what I want people to get from this book. I want you to find something in it to relate to and work. You know, maybe it'll help you work through whatever issue you it is that you're going through. Because um, I address it all. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, what other topics have you addressed in this? Go ahead. <laughs> Don't, it's a podcast. Right. We can say what we want. Oh, I can say what I want. Go right. ahead. So, <laughs> <laughs> I have, um, let's see. Entry 12 of the book is called The Submission Cipher. Okay. 
And what the submissive cipher is, it's a, it's a series of poems that I, that I put together. Um, some of it is written in free verse too, in that particular entry. Where I talk about when my uh, me and my dad never had the birds of the bees conversation. Okay. You know, so okay. um, submissive cipher is coming from the perspective of a bottom. I consider myself a bottom, so or a submissive male in the sexual aspect of a relationship. So I talk about what what is the importance of my dick. Um, I have friends who are bottom who don't use their dick in terms of they don't want, you know, they, they don't want it played with, they don't want you to give them a reach around, they don't want you to suck it, it's not there. Me, I'm not like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's the thing you play with it. That's, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not like that. So it's, I have an attachment to my dick, even in the form of me being the submissive one in that sexual relationship. Right. Um, there are tops that won't touch a dude's dick or won't suck dick, but then there are those that do, and he's looked at different. So I look, I talk about, um, one, me and my dad not having that conversation of, you know, what is my what is my dick for? You know, because I don't see it as me penetrating a woman to impregnate her. Um, and then in the gay world, either brothers just don't they think that I don't want them to you know to touch it or or <laughs> play with it, right? <laughs> or, okay. You know they do. So I talk about that. Um, I talk about. <laughs> just, just what that's like. Okay. Um, so basically, I guess it's like. a is it safe to say it's a memoir of you discovering? <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, th this is a conversation that you know I never really had on the Brothers Speed podcast, yeah. but that's okay. So, yeah. <laughs> but right. uh, it sounds like to me that this is a, a kind of a, a conversation that you were having with yourself in terms of what these body parts. Because remember, we're always taught about our body parts being in more of a heterosexual context. So. This right. is what you do to have children, babies, and that's why having a family is always considered to be the biggest accomplishment for a lot of those who are heterosexuals. Now, what happens if you're not? And then we never really ask that question. Right. We never really. So, therefore, I guess you could say that was more of a discovery period, and you may, maybe in the form of a poem, but more of a discovery period in terms of reshaping that thought process. And I, it sounded like to me that was also a part of you. Uh, reshaping and rethinking and relearning everything, and that was a part yes. of that process. Yeah, because there were certain things that I used to say that I would never do. Um, gotcha. I've heard other people say oh, I would never do that. Blah 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 blah. But give them two or three years, or with the right person, and then all of a sudden that changes. So our um, our sexual our sensuality evolves. You know what I mean? And we have to roll with that. But a lot of times we're not allowed to um, let that happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I, I I completely understand what where you coming from. Was your was your family highly religious? Oh yeah. <laughs> On my dad's side of the family, yeah. On my mom's side, it's kind of hit or miss, but definitely my dad's side of the family. So growing up, yes, he, he attended um, my grandmother's his my dad's mom's church, home church, and we still go to that church to this day. We go when I visit Detroit. Gotcha. So, she, yeah. so, okay. So now I can understand it. 
even more because I, I grew up in a very highly religious um, family, particularly on my mother's side. And my mother's yeah. was, um, you know, I, I was the junior deacon, the drama, the janitor, the <laughs> the usher when I need to be. Every position in that church was pretty much with me and my grandfather, and you know, especially my yeah. grandmother as well. So the, he was a pastor. My grandmother was the, the mother of the church, you know. And so yeah. growing up in a very highly religious, and for, I'll be honest with you, for a minute there, I thought I wanted to be a minister. I really did think okay. I was going to be a minister, and I, I was very much thinking about that in my in the sixth grade and seventh grade. Now, who thinks like that? But you know, <laughs> seriously. But I I really believed that I was going to do that, and you know, of course, you know, things change, and my whole idea and I my idea of religion in itself changed. A lot of things actually changed. But again, that was part of the growth and process. So those you who actually have a, a ministry though, well. I didn't think about it like that. I didn't think about that. And I thank you very much. You know, so I guess this is a, a part of that ministry. But I, the the part that was always a, a grapple because there's so many rules and restrictions of what you can and cannot do to break yeah. that idea and that cycle takes years of chipping away. It takes yeah. years of chipping away. So I can definitely understand where this book is needed. It sounds sound like to me is more of a memoir of your process and your relationship with God and through every other aspect it tackles, tackle, such as family, relationships, um, and friendship and everything else. So I think this is a book that, to me, so far what it sounds like, is a book that people need to read. Those who are definitely coming up in this community, as confusing as it can be, yeah. need to be reading this book. So I can honestly say Thank you very much for coming on here. Because I never had a book like that. I never had anyone who actually <laughs> wrote a book. No, seriously, I never had anyone to actually write a book like that to uh, to explain and from one's own experience the process of coming through mm -hmm. and to to still hold God in their life throughout that yeah. entire process. And that yeah. is a very, very difficult one. But it all goes to show, no matter what question you give, God or the universe, by the way, for those who are you know very spiritual and then necessarily use titles. Uh, <laughs> but though it goes to show, no matter what question that you give and no matter what experience you may have, that entity, whether it's God, universe, whatever you want to call it, should be able to answer because they are all. So, thank you so much. Why he made me the way he was? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Thank why you. the question is why? So these experiences, I, this this is definitely supposed to be. I believe definitely has to be on the the library books of many or bookshelves of many of those who are within the community, especially those who are confused. So I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you. No doubt. Thank you so much. God ain't calling me fact. So what are the new projects that you're going to be doing later in the future? There's going to be a play on it. It's going to be a one-man show. What What's going on with this? <laughs> so I would like to see this as a one-man show um, one day. I'm, I'm going to try to work on that. Um, right now I'm working on the, the fourth installment to my series. Um, it's called Letters. Um, that's the working title right now, but I think more than likely that's going to be what it's called. So that'll be coming out soon, uh, probably within another maybe year or so. That's what I'm working on now. But this, yes, I do see this on the stage, maybe the big screen. But right now, I visualize it as a one-man show. Um, 
Okay. Who knows? So I'm putting it out there. Put it on film. Don't be just just keep it as a show. Put it on film so people can <laughs> be able to film. see this. Because right. listen, I mean, there is somebody. I think everyone in this process, everyone who is going in the process, I know for me, I got logo strictly because of Noah's Ark. And I did not yeah, want I, I did not want my sister to know or nobody to know. So I specifically <laughs> ordered that. So when you put it on film, it's easy access. I can pull on the phone. You know, a plate is nice. It's a nice intro to the film, you know, so but everyone deserves the right to see that because everyone's going through it everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So this is a so think about a film, a little documentary or you know one man show, something yeah. like that. I have trust me, I have interviewed several directors, so I have a list for you. Anyway, all right, so oh, th- okay. <laughs> <laughs> this. <laughs> so I do thank you very much uh to be able to come back on the show and explain this. And like I said, where can they follow you? Where can these uh where can these uh, uh listeners or newfound readers follow you? Yes, I'm on Instagram as um, John Collins Presents. Um, you can find the books on Amazon and iTunes. They do come in paperback or e-back, um, or ebook format. You can also email me or reach out to me on my social media site, Facebook, John Collins. Um, my email address is johncollinspresents at gmail.com. You can reach out to me that way. Um, I also have books on hand that I can, you know, Stand out for you. I take all forms of payment. So, <laughs> put it out there. Put it out there. Put it out there. Yeah. All right. All right, John. All right. So, like everyone normally knows, I put all the information on the podcast, so you'll be able to see exactly where his information is, what to click, and also the same goes for me. Uh, the, all the information there online. You can follow me on Brother Speak Pod on either Twitter or either Instagram, so everyone can be able to do that. And BrotherSpeakPod.net is the website. Now, I'm also going to be uh, posting any type of uh, clicks that goes directly to him. So, if you want to purchase that book directly from Mr. John Collins, I'm sure he'll autograph it. I'm sure. Uh, so, <laughs> so definitely let's send that over to I do thank you very much uh, for being on the show so this is Chris Brothers Speed Podcast signing off with Mr. John Collins and myself have a wonderful day alright alright